Get your day started right. This is VOC Breakfast with Gulam Fakir and Sabiro Sheikhesa. Only on the Voice of the King. 7.37 is where we're at this morning and uh, if you've just joined us, VOC Breakfast is where you're at. We're moving along now to our next feature. Now, in a year filled with hardship and loss, education unions have welcomed the metric class of 2020's results and despite the commendable overall quality of passes during the COVID-19 pandemic, there have been some concerns raised regarding the performance in the physical sciences as well as mathematics papers. We saw the physical sciences pass rate dropped from 75.5% in 2019 to 65.8% in 2020 and the number of candidates passing maths declined as well from 54.6% to 53.8%. But what does it all mean? Joining us online this morning to share with us is the Executive Director of NAPTOSA and that is Basil Manuel. Good morning and thank you so much for joining us Basil. Good morning. Pleasure to be with you this morning again. So, of course, let's perhaps start off by, you know, just sharing in terms of, you know, Naptosa. And, you know, how do you view the pass rates for the class of 2020? I think for most people, including Naptosa, uh, the pass rate uh, reflects some of the difficulties we've gone through and reflects the hardships that particularly learners had to endure, and by extension, teachers. But it, it ended up a little better than we had predicted because we did expect the impact to be a, uh, to be a little more severe. And uh, for that, we are, we are particularly grateful. We are also grateful that uh, NAPTOSA as a union had uh, stood up and supported uh, the return to school, sometimes unpopularly so, because there were many people that would have had it differently. But, of course, uh, no criticism to them. Nobody knew how this thing would have panned out. It could easily have been that we were sitting on the side of, oh, we should have done it differently. So um, we want to, to once again reiterate that we still believe that the safest place for children and teachers is back at school. Uh, for a variety of reasons, and we we cannot simply summarily just lose uh, teaching or, or learning for a year. So we're happy that we did do that, and we're happy that it panned out like it did. Now, Basil, you know, do we attribute, you know, the drop in perhaps the past rate solely to factors associated with the pandemic? No, we we can't do that because... We've got to look at the history before that and the history after. Let's take mathematics uh, and and the drop in performance there. Um, Naptoza has particularly highlighted the fact that notwithstanding 74,000 more children having been part of the NSC exam, the total number of children from 2019 to 2020 that offered maths as as core maths or pure maths has dropped by 15,000. And that was is as a result of uh, this ever decreasing percentage of learners passing, the confidence in being able to pass maths, and of course very little being done to ensure that we stem the tide in terms of the outflow from mathematics. But it also has another sinister side. Uh, is this about gatekeeping, where because we've got this um, unhealthy obsession with um, the, the, the past percentages, are schools or districts or even pro- provinces limiting uh, children doing pure maths? 
just so that they look good by a percentage. But at the same time, mm. you're robbing children of a life chance. Mm. But you're robbing the country because the country needs people who know more maths. And this is what we want investigated. We're going to do our own investigation, but our DBE needs to do that investigation itself. So, no, it can't just be attributed to uh, COVID-19. But COVID-19 has played a major role in, in impacting on children and their performance. We know that a number of learners didn't pitch. We know that a number of learners uh, didn't do well simply because their, their, their mental state was not what it should have been. So we must consider that uh, whilst it had an impact, let's not be blind to the things that were there before. And whatever I've said for maths applies to physics as well. But I don't have the figures as readily with mm. me as I have for maths. Mm. But physics too. There is a downward trajectory and we need to see what can be done and where it should be done and how it should be done to ensure that we are uh, improving maths and science. Remember we are in a technological era. We cannot afford to have fewer people doing maths and physics. We will not be competitive in the long run. Certainly and having said that you know perhaps asking in terms of these critical subjects and the drop in the past rate, how does this now translate to you know the tertiary education education sector in terms of the courses that would be ordinarily taken up now not so much? Well, I would imagine with fewer uh, learners offering maths, um, it, it does start steering people away into other uh, areas of study. And, uh, you know, Naptoza is on record for calling for a review of maths as a whole. And we are questioning uh, just the two streams that we have, maths and maths literacy. Uh, in the past, we used to have high-grade maths and standard-grade maths. And standard-grade maths and, and maths literacy are not the same thing. Maths literacy is a completely different thing. Children who did standard-grade maths still stood a good chance of following a career that demanded mathematics. And we want some changes. Um, uh, the curriculum must be dynamic. It must be open to change and debate and, and, and movement. And we want something like that done there. But our the the... the the career parts of our learners are going to change, and universities are going to have to respond to some of those changes. But universities must also, or higher education institutions, must also be ready to do some bridging uh, for our learners, because our learners didn't cover everything that should have been covered. But at the same time, I also want to say we have an unhealthy obsession with children going to university. Uh, South Africa believes that every child who, who manages to get a bachelor's pass must go to university. And that can't be so. There are far uh, better options for some learners. That university is important is true. But we see that UNISA has been instructed to decrease its enrollment by, I think, 20,000. And that's a major number. Can you imagine the impact that's going to have on mm. people looking for place at universities? Certainly. And then, of course, you know, 2020, a year of trial and error, understandably so. But, you know, how can the educational sector boost the pass rate now come 2021? I think that is a taller order than most people realize. 
Remember, we are sitting with grade grade 11 that have moved to grade 12. In grade 11, they did 50% of the year's work, Mm. 50% of attendance. Because of our overcrowded schools, the need for social distancing, they did not attend fully. So they haven't completed the grade 11 syllabus. There are many things from grade 11 that are essential to grade 12. So they start in grade 12 with a deficit, which our 2020 uh, matriculants didn't do. And that is already putting them on the back foot. Then we don't know what the year holds. Our scientists are talking about a third wave and a possible fourth wave. That may wreak havoc with our system. The, um, the, 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 the inoculations against COVID-19, we have seen the vaccine hiccup, we have seen that it's not happening as quickly as it should, and teachers are not on the horizon at the moment. And if teachers are not going to be looked after, we may find that, yes, schools will close again, and 2021 could turn out worse. So we need to learn the lessons from 2020, but we've got to be working doubly hard whilst we are at school in case things turn, uh, change. Mm. Now, Basil, you know, we've been talking about the, the national pass rate, but looking at our various provinces and the pass rates thereof, I mean, we speak about Gauteng, the Western Cape producing, but in terms of those provinces like your Northern Cape, your Eastern Cape, Limpopo as well, um, that are on the bottom end of the spectrum, you know, is there any concern around those provincial pass rates? There has to be. If you look at a province like the Northwest, a drop by almost 10%. Mm. And that is far larger than it ought to be, given what the, the, the general average was. If you look at Limpopo, Limpopo had um, 9,000 less matriculants in 2020. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense mm. in, a, in a youthful population where... The, as I've mentioned before, there were 74,000 more children that wrote to matric in 2020. And yet you have a 9,000 drop in a province. There's something wrong. Yeah. And then we, when we look further, there's a causal link between the, uh, the Northern Cape, Western Cape, Eastern Cape, um, and their performance as, uh, uh, together when you link it to their rising to the occasion to look after schools that were affected by COVID. You would see how tardy they were mm-hmm. in the provision of PPEs, etc. And there are many other things that we can link to this. So we have to look at the performance of these provinces on a wider scale against uh, expenditure in education, a poverty index, uh, how they have, have uh, how they have ready to themselves to deal with the crises that uh, are on their doorstep. There are many things, but I can tell you this, those things coming together result in a major drop in performance. Mm-hmm. And then just finally, perhaps, you know, your opinion, uh, Basil, in terms of the class of 2020 was the seventh cohort of candidates to sit the NSC examination aligned to the national curriculum. Um, that's the CAPS curriculum. I mean, you know, how do you think they fared, you know, considering everything that has happened in terms of, you know, CAPS um, sort of sustaining itself during the pandemic? Let me say something about CAPS first. I still think CAPS is overloaded. Mm-hmm. 
And when you have an overloaded curriculum, you have no space to breathe, especially in the face of a crisis like the pandemic. But CAPS has also shown that it is a, it's not a bad curriculum. It's actually a good curriculum. It has many good elements uh, in it, and it is sustainable. And when you look at the performance of the children and you look at the endurance of CAPS and the sustainability of it, then we've got to say we are not doing badly at all. We, it's very easy to be negative, mm. but we must also look at all the positives that have happened, that have come through. And one of those positives is about the sustainability of the CAPS curriculum and its adaptability. Remember, we've had to adapt it to suit our new mode of attendance. Mm. And with that adaptation, it, it, it shows you another level of what CAPS can do. But I do think that in the longer term, we're going to have to look a little more carefully at it. We're going to have to adjust it for a uh, uh, mixed modality yeah. or, or, or blended learning, as, as is now commonly being called, because we've got to start introducing more online uh, chances for our for our learners, not trying to replace the teacher in the class, but so that no children have downtime. One of my lamentations is that if you look at the grade elevens of 2021, they will be at school for 50 percent of the time. So 2022 is already being planned as being a year that is going to have grade elevens that were not properly prepared for grade 12. What are we doing about that? Why are we not doing more when it comes to online learning? Whether it's in mosques, whether it's in temples, whether it's in mm, church halls mm, or whatever, mm. we can surely be broadcasting to centers where those grade 11s, when they're not at school, they can at least get lessons in their core learning areas. And guess what? We don't even have to do the teaching of those lessons. We can knock on a door of a school that is already doing it and simply broadcast to those centers. But we don't seem to have learned the lessons sufficiently uh, to, to assist our learners and to mitigate against further gaps. Certainly food for thought there. But Basil, thanks so much for joining us on air this morning and, of course, chatting to us, sharing with us views of Naptosa this morning, Executive Director of Naptosa, Basil Manuel, there reacting to the metric results of 2020. Interesting stuff.